Hi, this is Doug Bear with Splunk. I've got to tell you, the Big Data Beard Podcast, with a name like that, how can you not listen? Can't wait to tune in. You're listening to the Big Data Beard. Hey, Corey Minton at the Big Data Beard Podcast. We are sitting on the floor at SplunkConf 2017, and I've got a couple of my bearded compadres with me. I've got Rob Hout. Rob, beard, your beard's coming in. That's, <laughs> it's it's like a slow It's a small data process. beard right now. It's, the, <laughs> it's relational database beard. It's I about like as it. long as this, right? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, short hair on top. Short that's hair. right. <laughs> and then we've got Mr. Keith Cubido. Keith, how are you living, brother? I'm doing great. You have a good time at the show? I am. It's awesome. And we are excited to have Mr. David Fern join us. David, welcome hey to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm more of a no SQL beard. Yeah. <laughs> no, well done. That's Thank you. Nicely. Thank you. I kind of like that. Dude, this I'm going to remember guy, that. This guy's going to be all right. for later. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, David, so tell us about what, you, what, do, what do you do? What's your, what's your job, man? So I'm the uh, technical director or CTO of Arrow Europe. So Arrow are a global distributor of Dell EMC, plus a load of other stuff, Splunk. Um, and essentially my role is to... Well, my role's interesting. I, I'm quite lucky. I have the role technically known as the chief dreamer so my job is to is to come up with cool stuff cool innovative future things that we can we don't even necessarily take them to market but we need to be able to use them to to prove where the industry is going and help our partners to to get that message across to the customers yep. in, in, in innovative ways and i suppose that leads on pretty nicely to to what we're doing at Dot, uh, yeah, absolutely. Com. So you're like a prototyper, man. Like you make prototype uh, the uh, yeah, prototype cars. But we do we do <laughs> prototypes. We do, but we do it for all sorts of different things. I and mean, it's all about sort of raising the brand of Arrow. But yeah. you know, my specialty area, my specialty area is big data. Although I look after all of our vendors, so mm-hmm. security, infrastructure, cloud virtualization. Um, you know, big data is where my heart's at, and that's okay. what I like to do. I like the sort of the bridge between infrastructure. Sort of the, the storage element of it, the the compute element of it, the analytics element, the mathematics element of it, but then really being able to drive into that proper business outcome, you know, that really gets me excited. It's it's a it's a sort of a full stack solution, if you will. So yeah, I like it. That's awesome. So we specifically wanted to hear about this this thing that that we've got running in our booth, and you've got running in yours, yep. and the Gemini folks I think are running it yes, as well. Yes, they have. Yeah. So it's called How Happy is Conf. Yes. So tell me a little about what is this and how it came to be. So How Happy is Conf is, um, God, let me start. So three years ago, uh, three years ago, almost three years ago, 2015. Okay. That's only two years ago. I'm not very good at maths already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Calendar math is really hard yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, so basically I became technical director of Arrow. I've been at Arrow for about eight years now. Um, various different jobs. Uh, last job before that was global head of uh, integration development, so developing integration between company A's, company B. So lots of developers, um, and all of a sudden I started to see this real sort of opportunity to start to integrate diverse data sources. That then leads you pretty neatly on to big data. So when I became um, when I became essentially the CTO, technical director of Arrow mm-hmm. for for UK and Ireland to start with, um, okay. I looked at looked at our portfolio and I looked at um, the market and big data was a really underserviced um, area of the channel. Yeah, No one really understood. It was a real dark art. Everyone was like, oh, that's complicated. It doesn't really make sense. And we're a bit scared to really sort of run into it and, and go, go and, you know, execute. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we did was I said, well, you know, the, there's no better way, as a, de- as a tech guy, there's no better way to articulate a point than show it 
in real time mm -hmm. and do it in context and do it with something that people really get. So, you know, the first and foremost thing that we did, though, was we, you know, big data is one of these terms that has a lot of different meanings. It's a bit like cloud, it's a bit like IoT. You yeah. know, everyone has their own little definition. Everyone has their own version of it. So the first thing we need to do is we need to nail down what big data was to Arrow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, big data to Arrow, the first thing we decided was big data was not going to be petabytes and petabytes of data. Because to me, that's not big data. If you've got a billion rows of sales data, mm -hmm. the only answer you're going to, the only information or the only informed thing you're going to come up with is sales. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, sales is affected by customer service, it's affected by your social profile, it's affected, it's, it's, there's a hundred different elements. Right. So for us, big data is all about dimensionality. Okay. It's all about converging different diverse sources of information okay. into one outcome. But that's okay. probably the most difficult thing you can do in big data because <laughs> you've yeah. got to normalize multiple sets of data. You've probably got unstructured and semi-structured and uh, structured data. Right. You're looking at databases. You're looking at REST APIs. You're looking at all these different sources. Yep. And you've got to bring them all together. So essentially what we did was to show how it could be done and to start to build out our own framework and work on our own sort of way of helping our partners get from A to B, mm -hmm. we thought, well, let's try and build something. So essentially what we built, well, we worked with the city of London mm -hmm. and they said to us, you know what, if you could come up with um, something that could help us to understand how happy London is, that'd be fantastic. Okay. It's a cracking big data question though, because it can't be answered by just looking at our transportation network or just looking at the weather or just looking at social or just looking at the socioeconomic factors or just looking at crime. You need to combine everything and you need to combine them in very different ways, mm -hmm. but combine them all and then normalize them all and then turn them into one answer. So over about eight months, we built um, what we call How Happy Is London. Okay. It's available online at howhappyis.london. That's the domain name. London's a top level domain. Um, <laughs> Just because everyone's like, oh, that's not a domain. It is, I promise you. Um, <laughs> Interesting. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, but basically, the idea is that we process in real time 2.6 billion data points every day, and we refresh the happiness of London statistic every minute. Um, and it's just a really cool project. And w from it, we open source all the code we wrote. So we use Hadoop um, to, and Spark to do all of our sort of uh, linear regression stuff for, for static data and then for our inflow data from uh, Twitter, so we do. We have the Twitter garden hose. Mm -hmm. We pull all that data in and, and look for sentiment. We um, we pull rest structured rest APIs from Transport for London to get real time disruption information. We pull uh, weather information from the Met Office. We do all sorts. We have the Office for National Statistics, so we can pull down loads of um, flat structured data. So it's cool, and we basically come up with this this platform. So I have to ask a question. Um, how much did Arsenal performance actually skew any part of your numbers? You'd be, you'd be amazed at how little um, sports events affected it. So, huh, really? So, That's yeah, a hypothesis. Yeah, I, you'd be you'd in, I, well, you've got to understand that very few people in London actually care about that. You know, Arsenal is maybe like 0.2% of the population of London. Well, and they've been depressed for a while. <laughs> so I gotta, so I gotta say, so London, so I'm from Seattle. Yep. And so I'm gonna, the weather is kind of similar. So is, yeah. is weather a big impact to that function? Is no. So what we've actually found is the single biggest, wrong. the single <laughs> biggest contributing factor is social media. But it's mainly because what? I wait social because social media is such a highly um, uh, sort of it's a very very rich source of data because but that's it's not necessarily a contributor opinions. though right it's, well, a, it's massive because people complain if people feel motivated enough to complain loop. about London yeah. or be positive about London 
they've gone out of their way to write their own highly curated, highly human response. So we weight that higher than any other data source because it is essentially human-generated data rather than traffic or something like that, which can't generally be helped. It's just sort of part and parcel. So actually, the, the best day... The best day and the worst day were within um, 12 hours of each other. Huh. Interesting. So the, so best, the best day we had was, oh, actually, no, so 24 hours of each other. So the best day we had was the morning that we all voted um, for Brexit. <laughs> and the worst day was the morning we all woke up and realized that we it up. Literally, they were, and then, and then the sort of the third wor- or second worst day was when a certain uh, new U.S. president was elected. Um, <laughs> we are in D.C. because so it was huge. <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, but it's really fascinating yeah, because we see all these correlations and, you know, even if transport was absolutely fine, the social media impact just fell so low through the ground. It just skewed and dragged everything else down with it. So the, so the, the general mood in London was, was terrible. So really, yeah. if you have one heavy complainer... Yes. You could skew the well, entire city's well, so we've, we So we've used this platform now for multiple different projects. So um, we built the election prediction system. So we did basically exactly the same thing, but we ripped out all of the traffic and transport because we don't care about that. And what we tried to do was predict the outcome of the election in London. Okay. So in London, the way that we vote is we have local elections and boroughs vote and they vote MPs in and then you count the number of MPs and boom, that's your... And then you've got first past right. the post rubbish. Right. But mm-hmm. anyway... So basically what we tried to do was we looked at Twitter again and we basically said the Twitter demographic is, or demographic is 18 to uh, 36, that essentially the, the key users of Twitter. Now let's try and figure out what they are voting. So we built convolutional neural, convolutional neural networks to look at sentiment, convolutional neural networks to detect um, bias within your, so whether you are conservative, labor or Lib Dem, which is our three major parties. Yeah. We then looked at whether or, not, whether or not you were positive, negative, or neutral towards those parties because you can be talking about Labour but negatively. Yeah. So essentially, we built this sort of quite deep neural network, stacked neural network, and we came out with. So as soon as we switched it on, it immediately said, completely against the polls, sixty percent was um, leaning towards Labour. Now the polls were saying it was actually about fifty-one percent to Conservatives. So we were off by a, by quite a way. Um. So we, we kept doing it, kept doing it, kept running it. I didn't change anything because I believed that, you know what, if it was wrong, at least we'd be able to, if we ran it for the whole period of the times, so we ran it for three weeks beforehand, yeah. we'd at least see an outcome and we'd be able to understand why it was wrong and learn from something from it. Lo and behold, um, when the general election actually happened, we had a hung parliament completely against every single professional pollster's um, <laughs> expectations. Yeah. And lo and behold, if you looked at the exit polls and the YouGov studies, which is sort of our polling agency in the UK, mm-hmm. that demographic, 16 or sorry, 18 to 39, voted 60 to 70 percent in favour of Labour. Lib Dem, uh, sorry, of Labour. Yeah. As we'd seen in Twitter. But you weren't getting any of the data from the older demographic. Right? No. I mean, well, exactly. So yeah. we weren't get. But here's the other thing: they were the lowest turnout of all of the demographics. Really. So what we then very quickly did was we wrote a blog on this. Sort of subsequently, it's available on our. Um, arrowecs.co.uk, the hub. Um, but basically, we looked at it and we said, if we, so we correlated immediately our, our outcome mm-hmm. to YouGov. We then looked at, okay, well, if all of the people that could have voted of that age group, or even 50% of that age group had voted, 
that have fundamentally changed the party that we have in power today in the UK. Yeah. Well, and that's what happened with our polling data here, too, right? Oh, yeah. So that's really interesting. If we yeah. had something, I would have loved to have seen something like that well, during the election cycle yeah. here because we were all wrong as well. And what we did was we made sure that we included all the bots, all the fake news, yeah. all of the accounts that were just pumping, 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 yeah. churning data. Um, and churning fake news because we included all of those because at the end of the day they're still affecting people's opinions right. absolutely, absolutely whether we think they're right or wrong <clears throat> yeah. they're a fundamental fact mm-hmm. of nature now okay so now you so, you so you learned a bunch in doing the yeah. How Happy is London but then you've replatformed from Hadoop and Spark to Splunk for How Happy is Conf right? so we use Splunk um, as a visualization tool so we, okay. we've, we've still kept because we don't have much time to do this again um, <laughs> we've still kept our basic ETL processes so we use Apache NiFi okay Okay. As an ETL process, um, that's our ingestion uh, mechanism and, and primary ETL. And that's for another show. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk about Yeah, are cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, tech. yeah um, and Yara was pretty pretty smart snap up by Hortonworks. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. So we use NiFi quite extensively for that, um, and then we use uh, then we use essentially feed it into a data warehouse. Mm-hmm. So we use a MySQL data warehouse because uh, at that point we've normalized the data. We use um, NiFi to send it up and do all the enrichment, everything. We have quite big NiFi um, ETL strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, essentially, we use DBX Connect inside of Splunk to query our data warehouse, pull the data out, and visualize it. We nice. don't do a huge amount of Splunk, right? We use Splunk for sort of that last mile. Yeah. Um, but that is cool, right? Because that gives me a really, a really common data approach to, to all my strategies. So every time I do anything... It's in my data warehouse. My data warehouse is my master data management system. Everything else has been done beforehand. And, and there's a very good... So, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. I have a, I have a, there's, there's a proper method no, to my it. madness. Okay. Right? Which is? So, I sat in... Um, so, probably the best ever um, conference I sat through was a big data one in London. Quite back in the day. Okay. And uh, do you guys know CERN, the, um, yep. the Large Hadron yeah. Collider? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the chief data scientist from CERN stood up and did the keynote and his opening line was you think you've got big data problems you don't know you're born he said he says here's my big data problem okay Okay. first and foremost when the large hadron collider runs at full tilt right it's kicking off more data than any network in the world can handle right there's no switches there's no routers there's nothing fundamentally we cannot get that data out of there quick enough we can't buffer it it's just impossible yeah so let's pretend, <laughs> let's pretend we've got past that. Then we get to the storage subsystems. He said there is no storage subsystem available today in the world, not NVRAM, not memory, not anything. Not even Memristor's you know, perceived performance capabilities will be enough to store the, the stuff that we kick off this thing quick enough. So imagine we've got past that problem as well. <laughs> right? I've then got more data stored than I could pretty much ever process with almost all the computing power in the world. Yeah. He said it's the classic needle in the haystacks problem. He says, so what do we do? How do we fix this? Okay. He says, I had a really clever engineer who basically said, well, why are we looking for the needle in the haystack? Why don't we just burn the hay? And he turned around and said, well, okay, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I've been developing this little Arduino board and on this Arduino is a record of all known physics. So literally... On every single um, sensor on the LHC, they have a real-time filter, and it filters out all known physics. Seen that before, seen that energy before, seen that particle before. Oh, haven't seen that. Pass it back. So immediately you're filtering out 99.999% yeah. of all the data. And all you're passing back is, he then said, all of them passing back is 99.999% 99, 99, 
of errors, yeah. but we can very quickly filter those out. And then actually all we've got is maybe two terabytes of data that we've got to distribute around to all the universities to do proper deep investigation into. And he wow. said, that's my big data strategy. Burn the haystack. So yeah, burn the hay. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can and, and so this is the strategy I always take. I always take a strategy of ingest the data, transform in real time, and then load. Because you've got much better, more precise, or not more precise, because it's the same sort of data, but you're storing a lot less, yeah. which means you can query it a lot quicker. Exactly. And that's why I don't use Splunk at the front end, I use it at the mm. back. Because then my queries are super fast, the data I've got in there is really highly refined. Yeah. And to be quite frank, putting, putting NiFi in front is no big effort, really. Yeah. Um, right. And it gives me that ability to sort of transform and, and do a lot of stuff very quickly. Yeah. Very visually well, as well. Now, we've talked about that before, and I'm on the podcast, but you, you and I have had the conversation around edge analytics and trying to have, yeah. filter out the noise at the edge. But that, again, topic for another future show. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, 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 Cataloging, it's, brain's it's, going. It's the classic ETL <laughs> versus yeah. ELT. Right. Right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, Splunk is a classic uh, ELT. It's an yeah. extract, load, transform rather than an extract, transform, load. Right. And um, I'm going to be honest, and I appreciate I'm at .conf. I'm, <laughs> I'm an ELT fan. Yeah. E- ETLs fan, sorry. Yeah. No, I get that. So, so um, to, to give some context, though, on this, on this, what this, how, how happy is comp thing? Yeah, sorry. What, yeah, we, so, we digressed. Yeah, no, no, you didn't digress. It was a delightful conversation. I just <laughs> want to be, want to be clear on what we're doing because it's, I think this is a really fun use case. So, we got these things. Yeah, these activity know? trackers. Yeah. Okay. So what? So, so walk us through. Like, what have, what, what, what have we done to set this up, and what are people? Yeah, experiencing? Cool. So essentially, what we've done here um, is we're trying to demonstrate a real-time big data experiment. Um, because, you know, we've got a massive load of people who are wandering around and, and to be quite frank, it's cracking to sort of grab that digital exhaust and do something cool with it. So essentially, the, the trackers we've got have got accelerometers built into them. Mm-hmm. They are essentially transmitting the data via Bluetooth to your phone. Your phone then passes the data up to, the, we use Misfit product. Mm-hmm. It's cost and it's got a great uh, developer API. So essentially, it passes up to their cloud where it's essentially cached. We can then pull that data back via a REST API into NiFi through our various um, ETL processes into our data warehouse. Mm -hmm. And then Splunk pulls it out and turns it into really pretty-looking dashboards. Now, the cool thing we can do is we can then start to say, okay, what's the well-being of .com? So how far have people walked? So we've gone and grabbed a whole load of um, well-being statistics from some universities who have turned around and said, because this is not a cheap thing to put on, right? This is a... $10 $10 million show maybe yeah. and then all the sponsorship and everything else. Um, so, you know, the, these, these people want to get the, the value for money, right? They want to make sure that people are fit and people are in a good sort of state of mind to be able to consume and, and sort of assimilate the information that, that the people here are trying to get across. Yeah. So if everyone's tired and lethargic and not walking far enough and not got enough oxygen in their brains, no one's going to be able to remember it. We go home and go, I went to conf, but I don't really remember anything. <laughs> That's so, never happened to anyone no, here. No, 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 <laughs> so we're trying to, we're trying to, I mean, it's a bit of fun, but we're trying to sort of try and understand the well-being yeah. of Conf. And um, to that end, we've got these well-being statistics. So we're looking at the individual performance of, of, the, of a collective um, sample. So we've got a thousand of these trackers to give out, okay. which we've now done. Um, we've now got about 540 active contributing trackers. Um, so we've had about 54% success rate with people actually getting them on and signing up. Um, and the idea is that we've, um, we've got a big enough sample to be able to say, we believe that this, you know, so that we're burning enough calories. Yeah. Great. We're actually sleeping well enough, which is a bit of a shocker. Really? Great. 
Not walking. It's because we're in DC. It's not. <laughs> it's yeah. in Vegas. I think it might be different. Yeah. Well, funny enough, we did it at Delhi MC World as well. That's right. right. And it was red, red, red. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one. No one I don't know if that's but, a location you know, you thing can, or people thing. I, I, yes. Yeah, a bit of both, yes. I reckon. Um, but yeah, you know, we can feed back to Splunk at the end of this with the data and say next time, you know, put more food stops or move the uh, sessions further apart so people walk further to try and get the steps up to try and you know make their brains more active. Now, these are all, it's a, da- it's, it's a light-hearted sort of way of looking at data. Oh, yeah. But fundamentally, what we're trying to prove is that, you know, big data is all around us. We're constantly giving off a digital exhaust. And, you know, Arrow can help you to, with our methodology for big data, which is really simple. We essentially try and take a big data problem and split it into four chunks. Ingest, ETL, ELT, store and explore. Essentially, if, when we chunk those into little mini projects, so, you know, what are we looking, how are we going to ingest the data? Yep. How are we going to transform it and enrich the data? How are we going to store it? And then what are we going to use to essentially unlock the value and really get everyone contributing to the data? Yeah, and I think these kinds of examples like this, are, are uh, they're high on the, the demo chain for me, right? Because yeah. you can tie it right back to a human. If you can tie the story back to a human person and their personality and what they understand, then they get they get an idea of what data analysts can do, right? I mean, it's very easily transferable to well, other problems. Well, exactly. And you know what? So now we've got so it's end of day two. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got enough data in there now to start doing some really fun statistics. Oh yeah. So we've got sort of most you know who slept the best, who slept the worst. So we've got top ten uh, and bottom ten. That's what I we've, wanted to know. I want to know the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, well so that's who you want to hang out with. So the last dashboard, <laughs> the last dashboard I've literally just created is. The, the basically the 50 um, laziest people at conf. Really? <laughs> so we now have a graph, 50 laziest people at conf. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> so, so you can find the good, the bad. I love that. So, But yeah. I want to go back to your to your four critical kind of paths for, yeah. for big data uh, projects. So does Arrow, obviously we know Arrow is a, a distributor of a lot of technology products. Yep. Does Arrow have uh, service offerings in those areas? Is it more that you that's the way you organize the, so, the products you bring to market? So obviously we're a channel focused organization and we are 100% channel so the idea of everything we do is to help our channel partners to do things better yep. and to be able to be more agile and be innovative inside their customers yep. so the reason that we've done what we've done is, is for the very very simple reason that we want to be able to help our customers to deliver big data pro- uh, projects yep. so to that end we don't have any services offering now okay. I think one day we may well look at putting a service offering in place yeah. but it will be something that complements or is a, is a current whole in our um, in our customers portfolio and we can help to fix that or bridge it or more importantly as we're doing at the moment find partners that we already work with that have skills and have you know guys on the bench that we can leverage inside of the partners i think there's a there's a real feeling in the channel in europe at the moment of competition where you know people are happy to sort of work with their competition if they can see value and leverage sort of uh, relationships out of it. Yeah, I think that's probably something that's pretty pervasive, not just in Europe, though. You think about the announcements that have come out around VMware is now partners with AWS. Um, yeah, exactly, on a much grander scale. Pivotal's partners so with Kubernetes, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's getting pretty wild to see some of these these relationships. Like you said, they're co-opetition. Maybe it's just the, the admonishment that the, the world's changed. It's a multi-cloud world. It, it, it it's is. a it's multi-tech. Nobody a, owns the full stack. Anymore. It's a hybrid you know all over the place you know and and there's still some skill sets that are just woefully um underserviced in the channel i mean yeah. and, and fundamentally integration being one of them yeah. you know I, I i keep a harp on about knife we don't sell it it's open source it's an absolutely amazing product yeah 
but it's amazing because it fills a huge void. It, integration, integrating services is just so important. You know, I, I've had customers before, and I appreciate one of the big days of podcasts, and we're sort of going sideways, but I've had customers before that have come to me and gone, I need this. And I've gone, yeah. well, you've got that and that. If you just integrated them together, you'd actually have something better than what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't have to have a third copy of your data. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, but how do we do that? And, and I'm like... You bring people in, help them figure yeah. it out. Right? You bring people in at a fraction of the cost of buying that piece of software, at a fraction of the cost of setting that piece of software up, and you end up with something better that actually saves you time and optimizes your business. Ah, okay. It's, just... <laughs> it's the forehead slapping moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, because it's. I mean, the the number of tools, technologies, the things that are possible are. I mean, it's really hard to keep up with at this point. Yeah. The pace of change is there, and I always go back to like the these any of these big data or any frankly business project comes down to people, process, and technology. Exactly. We can deliver. You know, you guys deliver a lot of the technology. You bring together that capability from across a big swath of folks. Um, but just you still need those people that, know, that understand the stuff. And I think that's a big gap that we're seeing, too, that the skills to be successful in these projects yeah, still not there. No, no. <laughs> no. And, and, and it's a real shame. And I must admit, I, uh, gods of Arrow, please, please don't take this literally. But if I did get fired tomorrow, yeah. I would 100% go and start an integration business really? like, overnight. Yeah. It would be the simplest decision I've ever made because I honestly believe that there is money to be made in being an integration organization. Just literally... Integrating REST APIs. So, yeah. you know, cloud SaaS stuff with on-prem stuff, building gateways, doing it securely. Uh, it's money to be made. I mean, shifting the data around, in, maybe not even into the big data analytics system, just, just helping people to ha- not have that guy who goes, oh, we've got a new starter, or I've got a copy, and I've got to create an account here, and create an account there, and create an account there, and create... What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, you know, I was sitting here thinking, this, like, the, the interesting side effect of doing that is also reducing the amount of code that a customer has to keep, like because they've got stack after yeah. stack after stack, mm. code set after code set after code set to solve the same problem over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. So doing what you're talking about now means I'm less work on the other end. Exactly. And everything's better. And we've always got that old problem of, oh well, you know, is that going to displace my job and all this stuff? <laughs> I want to say crap, Noise. but I'm going to say stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. you know, if you're any good, you'll be moved up the value chain. Yeah. You know, if you're any good, you'll be retrained and actually redeployed as something much more valuable than copying and pasting stuff from one system to another. Or, <laughs> well, that's because, a goal, right? I mean, because this is the thing. You look, at, you look at organizations, and, you know, I, I'm not throwing the ball very far from the tree, as it were, or whatever they say. Um, there's people that exist whose job is literally just to be a human integration. Yeah. And you're like, that's mental. <laughs> That's crazy. We need to replace that. Yeah, yeah. totally get it. Well, I, this is so. I want to want to kind of unpack where where do we find like is the, this how happy conf how happiest comp thing is this something that we're going to post like the the results somewhere publicly like do you have a blog yeah, where you absolutely. put stuff? we will okay. put it on uh, Ari's blog. Um, obviously, this will sort of maybe we'll get the links. Back. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show. Yeah, notes. put yeah, the links in the awesome. show notes, and um, we'll go from there. Really, because uh, we can't we can we'll. we'll we're in a bit of a battle at the moment, uh, a battle in my own head about whether or not I anonymize the data and put it up on GitHub so people can yeah. see if they can see value in it, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'd love your guys' input yeah, on that. Yeah, if you could anonymize it, I think it's fine. I think that's one of the things that, that people struggle with is the uh, sharing of the health data is there's lots of good things you can do with yeah. it, but there's also things that we don't want people to do with it. Like, I don't necessarily know that I want 
uh, my insurer understanding how well I'm sleeping or not and yeah. checking on my rates because I'm at conf not getting any sleep. Like it's those kind of things that are like, it's like you haven't you moved kid. or slept in like three days. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know uh, it's bad. I'm probably on that bottom list, but that, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like I, any of that health tracker data, it's it, you. It, you have to anonymize stuff because it's so scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other one. This is a side note, though. We just had a chat with some uh, two uh, young ladies from Splunk who did this using Splunk to find love talk, and I started thinking about it. They actually only found one dating platform, one online dating platform that would actually give them their own data back. It was so Smart. they, which is kind yeah, of interesting. Right. And I started thinking about it. How embarrassing! That's like that's people. Nobody would want their dating profile information in God, public man. domain. <laughs> well, I mean, well, they this is where we're going to see GDPR any... come in and, exactly. and enforce that. To be yeah. quite frank. Yeah. Um, under fear of four percent turnover yeah, fine. Reprisal. So, yeah, GDPR is an insane. Uh, yeah, it's amount causing. Of yes, it's causing me a huge headache in Europe at the moment. Yeah, and, I can um, so. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's the bane of my existence with <laughs> partners and vendors. and But the reality is, it, once again, we digress, but hey-ho, it seems like fun. Um, <laughs> Go for it's it. It's one of those things that it's not actually solved through technology solely. In fact, it's probably 80% process people mm-hmm. and sort of organizational right. change. Yeah. And then 20% technology. Yep, and normally that 20% technology is actually just turning around and saying, are you well encrypted? Because if you're really, really well encrypted... Yeah. Then actually, you so there's a, there's actually even a line in the uh, in GDPR that says, if you've done best efforts to ensure that your encryption keys are absolutely safe and sound, and you can show that your encryption keys were never compromised, yeah. we won't find you. Yeah, I went to a big data conference in St. Louis about three years ago, maybe mm-hmm. four years ago, and there was a, a an actual legal professor who did a who did a talk there talking about um, ethics around data, like what can we do with it and those yeah. kind of things. And and you know, and I think we've all heard this phrase, but his end statement was just look. Don't be creepy with data. <laughs> that's yeah. a great. That's a great way. That to is put a it. good governing. But sadly, just don't be a creep. But, but sadly, with <laughs> data has become life, so Keith. valuable now. <laughs> but but you know, data has become so valuable now. People are being creepy with it because they, they see are? the value oh, and they're absolutely. like, yeah. I can't not do be the be the creep and 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 sort of exploit the data. Yeah. What's the to, same reason for I don't nefarious have, ends? It's the same reason I don't have that. Uh, that progressive insurance thing yeah. that you can put in your car and they'll give you a better rate if you don't drive like a jerk. Well, what's the because I would have the highest rate on well, <laughs> well, the. Well, what's the story everybody rolls back to is the Target thing, right? The, 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 yeah. the from Target stores. Oh, the yeah. Ad. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, all I have to say is I'm not on Facebook. Yeah. That's probably smart. Yeah. That's yeah. probably smart. Incredibly smart. I never have been. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there because yeah. I'm, 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 I'm on dodgy ground. <laughs> I don't have any other That's stories. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily completely agree with the way that they. Utilize yeah. people's data. To, it's pretty impressive. It's very, very impressive data science. No <laughs> doubt about that. Is. I think that's a very positive spin on it. Yeah, it's it's impressive well in all the ways. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's do this. So I want to want to switch gears to a couple of rapid fire questions we do Go with all it. of our guests, um, just for a little bit of fun. But on so you're not on Facebook, but nope. are you, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, you're on Twitter. What's yeah, your at handle? David Fern. At David Fern, we'll find you there. Okay, so the rapid fire questions that go like this: uh, the first one. What year do you think Skynet will go online? Ooh, ooh. Uh, 2033. All right, 2033. I thought it was online already only because it's been responding to me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so if, it's true. Actually, I tried, so I asked the question. I, was, I made some comment about, like, you know, machine learning begets, you know, Skynet or whatever. And so I, asked, I was like, do you think Skynet would be willing to take over managing my mother-in-law's computer for me? <laughs> so... 
and, so, and it responded, not so, interested. <laughs> so very quickly, here's my return question back to you, though. Yeah. When do you think we'll we'll get to the singularity? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I, I fear. I fear okay. the <laughs> Unless we're already there, of course. It, you never it, know. Right. Uh, that's true. That's a good question. All right. So if you were to buy me a book or anybody a book, what, which, which uh, book you would buy? Not a big reader. Um, so... Pass. I have absolutely okay. no idea. Okay, sorry. Uh, what genre of music are you currently into? Uh, so, everyone takes the piss out of me for this, but I'm, <laughs> I'm from a place in England called Essex, okay. and we grew up with a kind of music called garage music. Okay. Garage and house. So, okay. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sticking to my roots there. I'm a garage boy. All right. right now, do you have a favorite piece of utterly useless technology? Yes, I do. Okay. I actually have it with me. So, it's not... It, I don't think it's useless, Yeah. but it's not desperately useful yet okay so i have a 3d camera a 3d camera so it's a camera you can take three-dimensional so literally you can take vr photographs that's kind of cool okay it's cool but the problem is like the consumption models aren't there yet bingo yeah bingo so you can't print it off because it's spherical yeah um and there's nowhere really to store it now videos you can store on so i can upload the videos to youtube and look around but but yeah the, the the it's cool like taking it skiing and so it's a 3D like. camera. So like two, it's got two so uh, binocular fisheye lenses and it stitches oh. it together. Oh, like literally like a VR. So you could just record VR stuff. I got yeah. you. Okay, that's cool. That is kind of useless right now, but maybe when VR it's, catches it's, on, I don't yeah. know if you know Windows Mixed Reality headsets started hitting the market uh, this month. So it'll be the first like reasonable entry point sort of. Uh, so that's one of comp. Oh wow! How big is this camera? I'm just curious. Is it? It's really. Cool. Oh, that's not bad. It's yeah. pretty small. Okay. Um, what is your biggest money pit right now? Oh, uh, my divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I'm being totally honest. <laughs> you win. Uh, are, are, you, uh, are you going anywhere interesting soon? I'm off to Venice next week, actually. Are you? Venice is uh, awesome. Yeah, for work. We're off to Venice for the um, Canales uh, Conference, which is a channels okay. uh, channel conference. The Sort of European head of like, lead channel conference. Have you been uh, to Venice before? I have not been to Venice, and I'm staying on an island. So everywhere we're You're going, we private you? boats. It's just bonkers. Are you at the JW Marriott? No, 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 no. I'm at something else. There's thousands of freaking. Well, it's basically there. everything in Venice is an island. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like a thousand. But we seem to be a really tiny island. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it be it's fun. awesome. I was there. Yeah, fly out I was there three months ago, and it is the thing. I, I have small kids. I have, I have a five year old and a three year old. Don't take oh, kids to funny Venice. Enough, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old as well. Nice. And I would not take them there. Yeah, it's a it's an no. awful place for kids. Like it is just because ter- everything's. It's I mean, it's literally just a dangerous. It's a group of islands. Yeah. That are just all so, like separated by little canals, right? And most of them don't have any. Like you could just walk off into the canal. Like, there's no. It, it ain't Your like ADA. Hands, like and oh, and, and and oh, by the way, try carrying luggage uh from oh, like the God. boat docks where the vaporettos the boats they drop you off when you come in on the when you fly in to san marco uh you or to marco polo airport you you take a vaporetto a boat taxi it's like a big boat bus to the city and then from there then you transfer to wherever you're kind of going in the city oh, and so you, so you get out of this boat i'm carrying luggage i got my my mother-in-law was with me like her my aunt was with us like we had and with luggage and two kids and stroll oh my gosh you should <laughs> i I usually I'm not, I have a pretty clean I, I have a pretty clean it. mouth, especially like in front of my kids. I was I was <laughs> piping mad, and oh by the way, it was so I went to, this is in June, and it was 
109 degrees in oh. Venice. Oh, we were there. Awesome. Oh no, it gets better. The uh, so this is the one time we didn't stay in like a proper hotel. We stayed in like a kind of Airbnb kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it had one air conditioner oh, in it, okay. and it didn't you work. Oh no! So the guy, the first night we slept in there, it was 85 degrees in the house. So you come in from sweating, and then you can't stop sweating. You sleep sweating. <laughs> Finally, the dude brought one, but he, he literally brought an air conditioner. Yeah. So the next night, we had to, it, dude, night. We, it, was 80, it was 81 degrees. <laughs> so it was a great reprieve. So anyways, hopefully your experience is better. Rialto yes. Bridge is stunning. The food is phenomenal. Uh, and uh, St. Mark's Basilica is stunningly cool. Well, I'm hoping to get a little bit of time to do some sightseeing so yeah. fingers crossed yeah you'll, you'll have a good time okay um are there any tv shows or i should I know, is tv shows even a thing anymore everything else is streaming but are you is there any show that you find just binge worthy or that you're oh binging? my god so i'm a massive sci-fi fan as i think all techies should be or uh-huh. all official techies should be if uh-huh. you're not you can leave the room um the expanse series on Dude, that's three. Oh yes. my god that is the, literally the best show <laughs> On TV at the moment. That is awesome. Oh, so, so I don't know. So, so so Rob was the one that introduced <laughs> me to it. So we had a we had Rob on the show. Um, we were doing interviews of each other. Each other just kind of getting started. But he told me this. He says the expanse. And I'm like, dude, you just out nerded me. I don't even know what the heck this is. <laughs> and so he told me about it. And he had much the same kind of opinion of it as you do. Except so good. except he kind of explained it. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but in space. It's and, exactly that. But, and, uh, but one of the guys was like, isn't that Star Wars? What a, <laughs> the only thing that slightly annoys me now is it's, with the end of the season two, which I pretty much watched in one go, it's got a little bit unbelievable. Like the first episode, the first season, brilliant. brilliant. So believable. Yeah. And it's this sort of almost near future. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Star Wars and Star Trek where it's like way in the yeah. future. Yeah. It's like it's set in our solar system and there's just... Brilliant! You got yeah. you got to watch. So we heard we heard today from uh, one of our one of our guests. He said the same thing. He was a fan of Expanse, but he told us about and this may this may super nerd you. He told us about the fact that their sci-fi network has an app, yeah, for your for your phone or your device that will actually connect to your Philips Hue light bulbs, <gasps> and it will d- it'll dim and color the lights to match the show. You're kidding me! Isn't that that's yeah. See, that's yeah. not that's all right. That's just so getting done. Yeah, I know, so, he, so literally, Keith put put the Hue light bulbs in his Amazon cart right when it happened. Like, oh, I gotta have these. <laughs> Good work. Good work. So you don't have a you have a no sequel beard, but do you have a particular bearded idol or a favorite bearded man from history? Or bearded lady? Uh, probably Albert Einstein. If we're talking bearded men, Albert Einstein. Did he have a bit of a beard? Didn't he? He has a bit. Didn't he? I, no, I think he was mustachioed. Mustache. We'll, we'll, we'll can we that. can we have a mustache? Is that okay? we actually? So we have a big data. There is a big data mustache. Uh, he's a dude in Germany named Wolfgang. <laughs> that I I gave him grief. He showed up at a trading I was doing, and I was like, he was like, I'm a big data specialist. I was like, well, that's the big data mustache from now on. It's just a big, beautiful German proper. <laughs> Thick dirt squirrel up there on the top of his lip. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough beard talk, boys. David, it was super fun hey, having you, you on, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, we look forward to following you on your on your Twitter. We'll get on the blogs. Yeah, we and, also uh, have our own uh, podcast where we've had uh, we've actually had Brett on it before when we we're at Delhi MC World and things. So please listen to Arrow Bandwidth as well. Um, feel free to sort of uh, give us any comments, and, and we'd love to have you guys on at some point to reciprocate the. Uh, the favor so thank you very much love it thanks Dave cheers guys enjoy the show boys thanks guys bye